Well, let us come before God and I in prayer. Let us pray together. Our Father and God, we, we come before you recognizing that you are God, that you're on the throne over this whole world, that it is right that we adore and worship and praise you this morning. We praise you because you are our creator. Everything we have is from you. Everything we have has been given by you. And Father, even as we look to this past week and all the good things that we have enjoyed, we give you thanks for, for food, for clothes, for warmth, for homes, for family, for friends, for all these things that have come from you, we give you thanks. Father, we thank you that we, we can look to your control this morning and know that, that all our times are within your hands. We thank you that we can trust you. We thank you that we can look to you again and again and know security and know steadiness. And our God, we, we want to thank you this morning for Jesus Christ, your Son. We thank you for, for the grace and, and peace that has been given to us in Christ. We thank you that, that, that above all the, the ways you've blessed us materially, you, you have not withheld a single spiritual blessing from us. We thank you that even before the foundation of the world, you, you chose us in love. Thank you that in Christ we are forgiven our sins, we are brought into relationship with you, we become your sons and daughters. How privileged we are, O oh God. We thank you that, that Christ is ours forever. We thank you that, that Christ himself is our inheritance. And God, I thank you for the Holy Spirit enabling us to see our sins, to know our need of Jesus. We thank you that he remains with us. We thank you that he continues to reveal Christ to us. Our Father, as we are your children, we recognize that we are part of the family. And so we thank you for the family of God. We thank you for the blessing of being united in Christ. We thank you that we are able to meet in this way this morning. And we look forward to being physically together all again in a couple of weeks. Our Father, as we come to your word this morning, we, we long for you to speak to us. We long to catch hold again of who Christ is and be changed from within. And as we do this, may we gain a new perspective on the week ahead. May we view all things, family, life, work, sickness, may we view all things through the lens of the gospel. May your minds and our hearts be moved to give you glory, to long for your kingdom to come, to live lives in glad service to you, to grow in love for you, to grow in love for each other, and to grow in love for the lost around us. Our God, speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we are continuing with our series in Mark's Gospel. And today we are in Mark chapter 7, and beginning to read from verse 24 and through to the end of the chapter. So if you have a Bible, please do open it up 
and follow along with me and keep your Bible open as we go through this passage this morning. To Mark chapter 7 and beginning to read from verse 24. This is God's word. And from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatheth, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Well, we saw just last week that the gospel is for those who know they are sinners. For those who know they have a sinful heart and need Jesus regardless of their background. But what makes a person unclean is, is not anything external, but, but it is their hearts internally that make them unclean. Now, it seems strategic for Mark to have this material at this point, because what we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks is Jesus in Gentile area dealing with Gentiles, those who are unclean according to the Jews. You see, both Jew and Gentile have the same problem, a sinful heart, and Jesus is the only answer to that problem. We read verse 24, Jesus arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre is about 20 miles north of Capernaum, and Sidon is, is a little further north, again. And here we see Jesus has moved beyond Israel to a Gentile pagan area. And it seems here his motive is simply to, to get some time away. 
You, you may remember Jesus and the disciples, they, they had tried to get time away in Mark 6, but the crowd followed them, and that's when we had the feeding of the 5,000. We see here, he entered the house and he didn't want anyone to know. But perhaps in this area, news hadn't spread about him, uh, and there was more chance of him actually getting rest. But he couldn't be hidden. Look at verse 25. Immediately a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now we know from verse 26 she was a Gentile, so not a Jew. She wasn't following the practices of Jews. She wasn't following their purification or their cleanliness laws. And of course, to the Jews, she was unclean. She was a Syrophoenician, simply telling us the area she came from, the area of Phoenicia. But I want you to notice how she came to Jesus. She came and fell down at his feet. She didn't know him, but she knew about him. And she came full of respect and humility to the feet of Jesus. And through, through this passage this morning, I want us to notice with how it contrasts with the passage from last week. And here we see one of those contrasts with the Jewish religious leaders. Last week we saw they came pridefully, head and shoulders above Jesus, knowing better than him with little respect. But here this lady, she comes in humility to the feet of Jesus and begs him to cast the demon from her daughter. Now we've heard from people with demons before. We know it's a tragic position to be in, and this woman comes and begs on behalf of her daughter. Like other characters we have seen in Mark, this, this lady, she was at the end of her teller, we could say, uh, and she comes to Jesus as the only hope for her daughter. And she's very persistent. Now as I read this, and I think what we have seen in Mark so far, I'm thinking, I know how this is going to go. This lady has come in desperation. She has recognised her need of Jesus. So surely Jesus is going to respond to her display of faith with compassion and heal her daughter. This is a pattern we've seen several times and been so touched by. Well, Jesus does respond to this lady, but, but his response shocks us. Look at verse 27. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He responds to her with a short parable, which at first seems harsh and even uncompassionate. I mean, to call someone a dog in this time is the worst of all insults. I'm sure it's not a lot better today. No one wants to be called a dog. But Jesus isn't calling her a dog to be rude. I might say to my children, you're a slow snail. 
meaning they're too slow and need to hurry up. When I say that, I'm not reducing their status to that of a snail. I'm not saying that my children should be left outside in the garden, or even worse, through over the fence. Of course I'm not saying that, I'm using the saying to make a point. And that's what Jesus really is doing here. He's making a point, and his point is, there is an order to gospel proclamation. The gospel comes to Israel first, then beyond. Like Paul said to to the Romans, the gospel is the part of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, or to the Gentile. When Matthew tells us about um, Jesus sending the disciples out, we read that Jesus says to them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no time of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. We could go to the, to the Old Testament, to Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 49, and God says to Israel, You will be a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And we can trace this pattern back further to, to Exodus, even back to Genesis 12, where, where, where God's promise was made to Abram. Furthermore, God, God often referred to Israel as his son, a child, which is perhaps the meaning of children here. And the point Jesus is making, the gospel is to go first to Israel, to the Jew first, and that through that, the gospel would spread on beyond Israel to Gentiles and to the ends of the earth. Remember we say Jesus, it seems Jesus came here simply to get time away. He wasn't on an evangelistic rally or a mission. You remember back to Mark 4, um, the sea parables. Uh, and there we learned the purpose of parables. The purpose is to reveal the gospel to some and to conceal the gospel from others. Uh, And we see this happening as different people respond. Well, let's see how this lady responds. It's interesting because she really enters into debate with Jesus. She begins verse 28. She says, Yes, Lord. The first thing we notice is that she agrees, she understands what is being said. And again, this is in contrast to the religious leaders from last week. They they didn't understand. And Jesus quoted Isaiah 29, 13 to expose them. He said, this people honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship teaching as doctrines the commands of men. But, but it's like this woman is the fulfilment of Isaiah 29, 14, just the next verse. There we read in Isaiah, The wisdom of the wise men shall perish, the discernment of the discerning men shall be hidden. See, this woman in her humility 
has exposed the foolishness of these supposed wise religious scribes and teachers. So she understands the point Jesus is making, but she remains persistent. She says, yes, Lord, yes, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. This is a woman who knows her place before Jesus. She wasn't fighting for her rights. She wasn't trying to prove herself, perhaps like these religious leaders, through their own self-righteousness. She said to Jesus, I, I know I'm unworthy. I, I know I don't deserve anything from you, but, but, but I'm desperate. And I'm asking if, if you could only give me a crumb from your table, that's all. And Jesus says to her, for this statement, you may go on your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. The girl was resting and was at peace. Now this lady's response shows us that the gospel is for everyone. It is for all humanity. The gospel is, is for everyone who, who knows their place, who, who knows they are sinful and, and knows they need Jesus. This woman's response shows us that the gospel that came first to Israel, to the Jews, is for all nations. The, the, the blessing of the gospel will, will be known and experienced by all people. Well, I wonder, what, why did Jesus not respond to her immediately? I believe he was probing at her heart. We thought about this a lot last week. And again, it stands in contrast to, to the religious leaders, where their heart was exposed as, as insincere. We see that this lady's heart was exposed as sincere, genuine. As she fell at the feet of Jesus as her only hope. Well, for a moment, let's, let's move on to think about the healing of the deaf man that we read about. Now, this healing took place in the area of the Decapolis. And we've heard about this area before in Mark 5. Um, there, a, a man with the demon was healed. And with this healing, we can see similarities with, with the lady we have just thought about. It seems this man's friends brought him to, to Jesus, uh, and like the woman, they begged Jesus on behalf of this man. The man was deaf and had a speech impediment. And we read verse 33. Jesus took him aside from the crowd privately. He put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And verse 34, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Be opened. And his ears were open. His tongue was released. 
and he spoke plainly. Now we've referred to Isaiah 29 already this morning. Uh, That's the passage that Jesus quoted to the religious leaders. But further we read in Isaiah 29, In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book. And again, Isaiah 35, we read, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. It's interesting that the word used for speech impediment in Mark 7 is only used one other time in Scripture, and it is here in Isaiah 35. It it seems to be that Mark is telling us what what God said in Isaiah, what God promised in Isaiah, God is doing now in Jesus Christ. We said a few weeks back that the Gospel acts like a showhouse for us, showing us what life will be like when the, when the kingdom is in its full and final state. And what we're seeing here is that what Jesus has shown to Israel, he is now showing to Gentiles. They too can have the hope of life without evil and suffering. They too will enjoy the full blessings that are given to Israel in the life to come. Jesus has come to restore all creation. To give us life again without sin and all its terrible consequences. And Jesus has shown this through the healing of the deaf and mute man. And he goes on to show it through the healing of the blind man in chapter 8. Listen again to Isaiah 35, and this time um, verse 10. Isaiah 35 and verse 10. And the ransoms of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Now this has context for God's people at that time in exile, in the hope of coming out of exile, but of course points us to something much greater. Because when God's people returned from exile, they did not experience everlasting joy. But there is a day. There is a day will come. When every tribe, when every tongue, when every nation will be gathered in the presence of Jesus, and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. See, it's not one way of salvation for Jews and another for Gentiles. This is the hope of all those who know they are sinful and are trusting in Jesus alone to be delivered from this sinful world. We look at verse 37 and we see the response to what Jesus has done. They were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. 
Stephen makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. God has indeed done all things well. He created the world in the beginning and said it was very good. He did all things well. And in this new creation that God is accomplishing through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is very good. He is doing it well and one day we will see just how good it is. Jesus is the one who has come to rescue all who put their trust in him. As we come to a close, I, I want to make three simple points of application for us this morning. And the first is this, the gospel is for all people. The gospel is for all, regardless of, of background, of upbringing, of social class, of past failures, of regrets. The gospel is for all who know they are sinful and need a saviour, Jesus Christ. And if this woman persisted with Jesus, if you haven't yet fully grasped who Jesus is, I want to encourage you this morning to persist with Jesus. Perhaps you're, you're a bit confused by this whole idea. Perhaps you, you still have many questions. I want to encourage you to ask those questions. Find people you can speak to, someone you can trust, Ask them and keep asking. Don't give up until you have truly seen who Jesus is and what he can do for you. Secondly then, to those who are trusting Jesus, there is a call here this morning for us to, to great faith. Matthew records Jesus saying to this woman, O woman, your faith is great. We want to believe that God is able to do great things in the lives of those around us who do not know Jesus. Those who are spiritually deaf, we want to persistently beg to God on their behalf that he will do great things in their lives. Namely, show them their need of Jesus and get them hope that only he can bring. We are based here in the centre of Craigavon. And I want to ask, do you want to see people in Craigavon transformed and added to this local church? Yes, of course we do. Well, may we, may we step out of faith and beg to God on behalf of these people. Thirdly, and finally, and very briefly, don't keep this good news a secret. May we proclaim the good things God has done and is doing. We need to get to know people, and we need to bring them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may God help us to do that. Let us pray together.
Our Father and our God, we, we thank you again for this great gospel that we have been thinking about this morning. We thank you that the gospel is for all. We thank you for the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you for, for the hope of heaven. We thank you for the hope of life without sin and all its consequences. We thank you that, that this is for all those who will repent and believe in the gospel. Let us believe in Jesus Christ. We pray for those around us who, who do not know Jesus. We pray for those placed close to where we are here in Pragapa. We pray for our, our own families. We pray for those we are in contact through work. We pray for others that we are in contact with on a, on a daily basis. We pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would work in their lives, that they would know their need of Christ, and that they would come to Christ. That they would humbly repent and fall at the feet of Jesus, as it were. We, we pray that, that, that we would see them released from the power and the penalty of sin. We pray that we would see them with new life and new hope. And as we strive to, to bring your gospel, we ask for your help in, in getting to know people better. We ask for your help in building relationships and talking about the gospel. Father, give us natural opportunities to do this. Give us a burden for their souls. Give us a, real, a realism of their life without Christ. Give us persistence in praying for them, even begging for them. And give us boldness in proclaiming the gospel. Give us trust in who you are. A God merciful and gracious. We pray through Jesus Christ, our great Saviour. Amen. Amen. Just as, as we close, I'm going to leave you um, with a song. It's just a prayer um, for God's kingdom um, to come where we are. Thank you for joining us this morning, coming online. The Lord bless you.